This is the Unearthing Art Podcast with Michelle Luminato and Beck Lee, where we dig into the messy reality of making art that matters, raw and real conversations about being an artist, navigating the creative process, and expressing our honest and sometimes weird selves. On the last episode, Michelle, we started the episode with you sharing a story about how you had very early in your painting journey, maybe just like a year in, you had sent some pictures of your work to a number of galleries and some didn't reply at all and one did reply with uh, an email that just politely said no. And then you described how after an initial period of, I guess, mourning, (laughs) a few tears, (laughs) you thought to yourself, okay, I've got a problem, I'm not ready my work's not ready for these sort of galleries, so how can I get myself ready? And that mindset that you had around that, that approach to thinking about that rejection, I was really surprised by that because I could imagine myself in the same situation getting that same information from a gallery saying, no, we're not interested in your work right now and taking that as a sign that I was never meant to be an artist I should pack up my entire <laughs> studio and, you know, try a different course. So I said, how do you get to a place that this plays right into mindset, doesn't it? I I feel like it's one of those kind of words you hear a lot about, like, oh, mindset, mindset. People are like, oh, I think I've heard it before. Or maybe they're like, oh, I'm fine. I'm good. I don't need it. And the reality is, I think it's literally the biggest hurdle we have as artists to overcome. Like, I just think that... It's by far the biggest thing that's challenged me and I've seen challenge other artists. So I just feel really passionate about it. So I'd love to talk about it openly a lot more because Mm. it's to me, it's like a game changer. And I think for me, it goes back to childhood. Um, And, you know, I did mention that my mom, thanks for my mom for her lovely post-it notes, filling my head with all these optimistic ideas. But I think it goes beyond being an optimist. I mean, I definitely am an optimist um, and hopeful person. For me, hope has always been, like, if you don't hope for the future, what do you have? I mm. And I'm asking this as a question, like, d- what do you have? I don't know, because I've only hoped for the future. <laughs> I mean, I'd love living in the moment as well, but I always have had a lot of hope for the future. So hope meaning like an, just an optimistic feeling that good things are ahead. Yes. I've gone through some pretty not so good things. Mm. Um, and I feel like somehow seeing the other side of that, seeing like, well, what's the good thing that can come from this? Like, I, I'm literally wired to look for that. And it's been that process of constantly seeing, you know, the worst and then saying, well, what what good could come from this? You know, we've been in lockdown for three years. Well, technically two, but we're still in this weird, like, what the heck are we? Um, and I'm instantly like, well, what's the future? I'm not saying that I don't you know, have things in my life that are bad, but it's like, I just can't focus my attention. That's the distinction. I am not putting my attention on the news ever, 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 because what happens for me when I focus on the news and all these bad things, um, you know, and I think back to when I was in 9-11, it freezes me. It literally paralyzes me and it pulls me into this shrunken version of myself, you know, that is a victim, 
And I just don't like to live from that space anymore. And I think that it has been this process of practicing, you know, flexing of resilience. I mean, and again, I'm not, I don't want to paint a picture like I'm all rosy dozy, you know, every day is a great day. Like I'm like everyone else. I have bad days and, and good days, but I get up quicker. I get up quicker than I used to, you know, and that has taken practice. Yeah. And you mentioned 9-11 then, and you did mention it once before. And then after we'd finished recording, we had a conversation about it because I had to ask you when you just mentioned it in passing, you know, September 11, the terrorist attacks with the airplanes on New York. I hadn't heard this before. Were you there? And you told me a little bit about that experience and what happened. Is that something that you could mention now? Because maybe it gives a bit of a background as to where this attitude has developed a bit more? Yeah. And honestly, I think because we, I have shared this story in the membership recently, and it was when I shared that, I'm like, oh, that's where it really clicked. That's where it literally transformed for me. And so what Becca's speaking to is um, when September 11th happened, I was living in New York City at the time, and I was working downtown, and I was working really close to the area and literally walked down the street to see the buildings collapse, and then we all had to leave the area. So for me, I was literally, I felt like I was in a diehard movie. Like the the easiest way to explain it is visualize a diehard movie where everything's collapsing and everyone's panicking. That's what it was like. But I remember that day like so distinctively. But what really changed for me was my attitude on what was possible for myself after that. And I think that was where I was like, am I going to live for myself? Because you you only get one life, as far as we know. I mean, I could come back as someone else. Um, but it was like, I got to live for myself. And so I really decided that I wanted to be part of rebuilding the future. So part of that was choices of like picking an apartment that was right down next to the hole that was part of rebuilding the future and walking by these posters of people who had gone missing on the walls like that was really tough emotional stuff and I don't think I've ever shared that and I kind of get choked up thinking about that because although I was there on that day seeing the pain afterwards was very difficult but I also knew that I had to make every moment count Mm. and really take things into my own, like take responsibility for my own life. Like, what did I want? What did I really want? I can imagine seeing those posters, people's faces then of people who are missing Mm. makes it very personal. I I can almost see you having the terrifying event which probably breaks you wide open you had a lot of fear after that I know you mentioned um, before about the fear of flying at the time where you were working you had to get on a plane was it three weeks later yeah yeah Um, it was very quick and then seeing the the actual I can imagine seeing the faces of those people and thinking these are people who don't get to make those choices anymore yes so what Am I going to do I? about that? Exactly. And maybe that's a little bit of like survivor's guilt of like, you know, New York was affected and I was one of the really fortunate ones that, you know, I was close, but I wasn't so close 
Um, but it was a very scary time. And I feel like, you know, the world shifted at that time. For me, it shifted. There's a lot of vulnerability. It was just, the world just seemed a bit darker. And then it was like, do I live in this darkness or do I paint a picture of what the future could look like? It's interesting because then um, in that period after that then, in the following months, it's a period of great uncertainty, going into world conflicts, pessimism, um, feeling like the world's a bit of a darker place, that no one really knows what's going to be happening mm-hmm. next week or next month. That, And so the choices that you made in that following period kind of set a bit of a tone, I think. What happened mm. after, like what happened after you yeah. got that apartment? I started a business because that's the thing you do. Like I look back and think, oh my gosh, it's so good. It's so good we're so naive when we do these things. But I started a business in that very apartment I'm talking about. And I started it with my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband. We survived that period. But um, I just, I was like, I want to have a business that's around my creativity. Like it was just, it was like, it was gonna happen. No doubt about it. I don't know how it's gonna happen, but it's gonna happen. And um, luckily I asked the right person who was kind of a good fit for someone who could work on it with me. And so we just went to work. We just went to work. We put in some time to come up with what it was that we were doing. He learned all new skills. He became, he didn't know how to screen print, poor, poor person that he was. It was like, here's a book, teach yourself how. And he taught himself these skills. He just showed up for me in a way that I had never experienced before. So it made me show up. And I think we were just two, you know, young people who weren't really young, young, but we were young enough where we're like, we're just going to do this. We're just going to get it done. And the world had already collapsed around us. Like what else could happen? What else do we have to lose? Um, And, you know, we made a lot of um, mistakes mm-hmm. along the way, but we also had so many wins because of our determination and our mindset. And it really was the mindset that helped us get as far as we did get with doing that and stuff. And so, yeah, I created a business and it was one of the best things I ever did. And if if I would have stayed in that darkness and that you know, fearful, like, oh, you know, what's the world going to be? I better wait. It's not a good time. You would not even be speak. We wouldn't be speaking today back, honestly. Yeah. We would not be speaking. So that was really, looking back on it, that was the turning point for me that really set the creative path of like, what do I actually really want on fire? Um and I think I'm kind of, I feel like I'm a pit bull. Like I'm, you can ask my husband or, you know, anyone in my family, they're going to know. I latch on, like, I'm like a creative entrepreneur and I am going to have creativity in my life. And that's going to, that's going to be what feeds me. That's like, there is, there is no other me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How else would I show up? It just, it doesn't seem to be. Like there's no other option, this is me. And so I guess that was um, one turning point and there's been other turning points, but when I see COVID happen or now we're Mm. in a recession and I'm like, and so? Yeah, it's sounding really familiar to me now when you then talk about how you're feeling now and we look at a very different set of circumstances, but 
also eerily familiar in that it kind of feels the world feels quite dark there's these this thing that happens that none of us could even imagine a situation where something would come along that had the ability to shut down the the whole world to really yeah. sh- to close national to stop planes flying and and all of yeah. that and now yeah. the economic uh, flow on effects of that i know that some artists certainly and you as well people are saying things to them now like oh doesn't seem like it's a good time to be an artist you know the economy the recession you're probably not going to be selling much art now if if you were before or is it time to think about doing something different what do we think about that (laughs) I'm literally like Beck what what would I be like I don't like what no it's not like it's not an option that's like saying okay now just go hide out now because it's not a good time to be an artist like that's saying it's not a good time for me to be myself mm-hmm. you know and it's always a good time to be myself and actually i feel like it's a really great time to be a shining light and that's what we get to be as artists is a shining light for people who need a light. I'm not saying our art has to be optimistic to shine a light, but sometimes people just need to see more of themselves through your art. And I think that's really a gift. People actually get something from it. So I think it's a great time. And here's the funny part. I mean, this might not be a punchline for everyone, but I'm like, guess how many people are scared to start a business? when these things happen and how much opportunity is there for people who will take a chance it's it's crazy i mean i just get so excited because i'm like like do you actually think everyone's going to feel the recession no definitely not there's definitely still people who are um in a position where they can spend money and they're willing to pay extras in fact i was hearing some stories of some people um this is like a third-hand story, so I'm going to just translate it. But basically, people are making maybe more smarter choices. They're being a little more um, selective. So like, for instance, I've heard in the wedding, instead of just going down to the local um, place to have a reception, they're picking like the best place they can see um, with a view. And like they're making really big, expensive choices that are even more expensive than before because they're making things count a little bit more. If they're going to spend the money, they want to make it an experience, make it something that really fills them up, that really lights them up. And that's, hey, guess what? Art can do that too. Yeah. And I think that we underestimate what art does for the world. Mm. Um, And can you imagine without art? I mean, I know we're artists and we're like, of course we can't imagine. But like <laughs> it, it, it builds character. It builds perspective. Like there's so mm. much that it does. Um, for the world and people are I just believe they're really looking for that so as a creative entrepreneur I'm like great mm. good like and yes I can be me at the same time um, will I be one of them still standing you know even in spite of all this definitely definitely you said at the beginning that you think mindset is this you know way of looking at the world way of looking at yourself and the world Um, Mm -hmm. is one of the most important things that you can have as an artist. So it seems like we've been talking a lot about like what is the mindset you have that 
strengthens you, that gives you the resilience to, to go for opportunities rather than shrinking in the face of what some people are saying are adverse circumstances. It seems like yours not saying that they're adverse circumstances, but what, what do we, how do we build that? I think we have to, first of all, look at like, where are we getting our input from? Mm-hmm. What's, where, where are we putting our attention? You know, are we putting our attention on the news? Because guess what? Here's the other part that just, like, I know this is what people get paid to do. No offense to people who write these headlines. But the news is filled with headlines that people are paid to write based on fear because that's what captures attention. And I don't want to have my attention on that fear. Um, so I think we have to recognize, like, are we in these conversations that are fearful you know, and can we step away from those? I'm not one to go into conspiracy theories or any political angle here. But what I'm saying is um, we really have to look at where we're putting our attention and what we believe and and we will get back where we put that attention, mm-hmm. you know, because I look at it and I'm like, is the news helpful? Does it actually mm-hmm. I usually get a pit in my stomach and I just think, oh, ugh, ugh. Like it just always shows me something usually negative. I don't I don't find a lot of joy from the news. Do you? <laughs> I'm no. just curious. I'm I think curious. that um, this ties in a little bit. I'm going to draw a long bow here. Previously, you talked about asking the question of, am I putting my energy into living my own dream or am I putting my energy into living someone else's dream? Because... Um, the point of most news organizations is to increase its viewership. And like the great big cogs of marketing, like you said, they've worked out that the way you increase viewership is to trigger the most kind of responsive, um, to press the most responsive trigger button in humans, which is, you say, to induce fear so you feel like you have to know more you have to know more and then you get sucked into a new cycle so um at just at a very basic level you know are you putting your energy into selling another ad you know another clickable yeah. ad on the news are you to, to click another one of those titles because that's their their dream to have more clicks yeah. more ads more money yeah. or are you putting it into your own and um you know, I don't think obviously either of us are advocating living a kind of ignorant life where you're not aware of what's going on in the world. No, we and we there are certainly ways. Yeah, there are certainly very good ways to be informed from sources that are less um, clickbaity and are not so determined on sucking you into a cycle of fear and responsiveness to recognize it and to step back I'll have to tell you a funny little story I don't know if my husband will love me telling the story but um, over the last few years you know when there was always like scandalous news reports every day of what was happening and we started joking that he would come and tell us the Reckon Report. Like, we're like, what's the Reckon Report today? And he would give us his 10-minute quick overview on what the latest news advice was or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, and we kind of joke about that now. Like, what's the Reckon Report? So that's my dose of news is I might occasionally get the Reckon Report, but that's it. 
Yeah. Other than that, if I find myself scrolling, I- I'm literally like, ooh, what am I doing? Get off. It's like yeah. it's like a hot fire or a, you know, hot stove. I'm like, ooh, ouch, don't, that's not good. Yeah, so. I always think it's a really bad sign if you, once you notice that you're like five clicks deep, do you know what I mean? Like you go to read one article and then you see the title and a, and a link to something else and you go, oh, and you click on that. By the time you're even three or four or five clicks deep, you're like, I'm in trouble here. I, exactly. I did. I'm no longer here for what I came for. Um, yes. And I'm sucked into that, that really yeah. attention drain and it is really draining. It feels really yeah. draining. Because when 9-11 happened, I was glued to that TV for like five days. In yeah. a, like literally, like I could not leave. Um, and and now I'm very like when stuff happens, I it just makes me it literally makes me feel sick. Like I can feel it in my body that it does not make me and I can't so I'm worried all the time about things and that's why I feel sick. So for me it's like that's not something that I can change in that moment. So exactly. I'm, I just I kind of step back from it. So I've learned to, mm. I guess, pace myself with um, the level of intensity that I'm taking on with the reality of the dark world, because it's it is what it is. And how productive as an artist do I feel after that? Like, mm. <laughs> it's like a negative. It's not only have you not let, spent that time doing something else, but it's it also taken depleted energy. And, and we're talking physical energy and the mo- emotional mental energy, which is what we're talking about with this mindset, isn't it? I mean, when you think mm-hmm. about it's such a broad area um, and you said earlier that, you know, we might say, oh, no, we might brush it aside quite easily. So I've got a good mindset, but it's having the emotional mental energy to put into your work, Um that can be so easily drained by other things. But it can also plant all those seeds of doubts we've been talking about. If you're yeah. watching a news cycle and you're really starting to embody, to feel that that fear in your body, and then you go and look at your art, look at your art business, you're carrying that into so now instead of thinking about opportunities you're thinking about what's going to go wrong here look at all the things that could go wrong Mm -hmm. all the way that the world isn't gonna support me in this all the bad things that could happen I mean it's just I'm feeling a bit sick thinking about it when you were saying that I'm like see it's like a paperclip link you know when you link paperclips together Mm. you know you link one bad thought to another bad thought And that bad thought gets linked to another bad thought. Like it's literally like a long, endless trail or a spiral or a Mm. loop, whatever you want to say. But it can also go the other way. So if you're like, you know what, I'm going to be in more in tune with what my vision of the world is going to be. You know, what would that look like? What would it look like to rebuild the future? And part of that rebuilding of the future is I, I make art, I paint. That's what I do. So what what would that look like? How could I first have an experience that brings me joy through the experience and then that then gets passed on? And that's a trail of paper clips linked I together. I like that idea. It kind of, um, like when you were saying before about being hopeful, it's flipping the... the um, the power that we have to imagine possibilities, let's say, because you've said yes. before about our imagination. In the same way, 
my imagination can certainly take me down a string of bad connecting thoughts really rapidly. So instead of thinking about what could go wrong and what could go wrong after that and what could go wrong, you could think, well, what could go right and what could go right after that and what could go right after that. And they're both imagined. Yes. Neither strings of those thoughts have actually happened in reality. So why not choose? I'm telling you, it's all work either way, either way. And when you overthink things that are negative, it's just imagined futures. Yeah. But in your body, you can feel it, can't you? So you're kind of making (laughs) it real in your chest, in your gut. So why not um, imagine... And how you feel when you imagine the the what could go right, you know. Yes. I'm just feeling like this could be like a little of a, a little bit of a project that I don't know if anyone else wants to try that. But I almost just want to sit after this call and yeah. and try out imagining Choose. a good set of links and seeing how that feels different from yeah imagining the usual bad set yeah, of links. Yeah, yeah, seriously. And it and it. I mean, I'm simplifying it in the sense of like, it doesn't always feel that easy to just choose, Mm. but it is actually that simple. Sometimes Mm -hmm. some, and I'll be honest, sometimes my links of paper clips go Mm -hmm. long before I'm like, oh, let's let go of that strand. I don't like Uh that. Let's go over here. Uh But the more I do it and the more I practice it, and I practice this in my artwork process. So this isn't like separate. um, I mean, it's, it's obviously the whole you know, experience as a human, but I also look for these links in the process and the framework as well um, and look for those outcomes. So when I'm in the studio, I'm not looking for the worst. I'm looking for the best. Right. It's all the same, but it's part of the process and the thinking and the strategy. But if if you take, let's just, you know, for fun, let's yeah. say you have a paper clip and you spray one gold and you have one silver. You choose. You literally choose, and then you every time you have a thought, add a paper clip and just yeah. you know just see how it goes. But it's the same thing. You, I always, and I'm not the only one who says this, but you look, you find what you're looking for. If you're looking for the worst, you will find it. Um, and if you're looking for the best outcome you will find it. Sometimes you have to be a little more patient, but you can definitely find a good outcome. So it's it's a practice, but I think that it's, um, for me, it's been one of those whole body, you know, life, practice it in life and take that same practice and apply it to the studio as well and integrate it into the process you know it's yeah becomes part of the process it hadn't even occurred to me during our conversation but of course it's true because I was thinking more broadly about how our attitude towards you know life and things that go wrong and things that go right but you're absolutely of course you're absolutely right that in the studio as well on in terms of a single painting it's those that same comparison between going to work on a painting and just following your mind out, oh, I've made a mark that doesn't, oh, that mark doesn't look as good as I'd hoped. Oh, now, 
how am I going to fix this? I, I'm not going to know how to fix this. Oh, this whole painting's ruined. I'm never going to sell another painting. Like, I, you should not. You should not release me in the world because <laughs> Beck is way too good at following. Bad Imagine thoughts. if you wrote down every yes. single time and then yeah. you counter moved and like that's why progress is actually the progress of these positive thoughts. I know that sounds really yeah. simplistic, but it really is. Um, and picking ourselves up quicker. So instead of like 20 thoughts dark down, like mm. try stopping at 10. Yeah. You know, yeah. and hop over. And what blows me away is that in that moment, in that moment where I'm 20, you know, dark paper clips down the line, all I've done is in truth, in reality, is put one mark on my canvas. And now I'm feeling like I'm never going to, you know, I've gone 20 paper clips down and my <laughs> chest and my gut feels like I'm never going to sell a painting again. But there's no evidence of that. You know, there's all I've done <laughs> no, is put a single mark on a single canvas. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, ah. Uh. And this is why it's practice. It's, it's practice. flexing. It's practice. It's practice. But the, yeah. really being aware of it and, um, and even putting a stake in the ground for what you stand for, like, you know, do you want to have a stake in the ground to, again, I go to dream big or, you know, put something out there like, and again, I'm saying rebuild the future because we're at a time where I do believe we have two choices. We can either rebuild the future and kind of paint the new path. Mm hmm. Or we can be frozen and paralyzed and pulled back and say, this is not a good time to do any of this. Mm. So can we dream big right now? Mm. Do we mm -hmm. give ourselves permission? Based on my past, I'm going to say that was a good idea. I'm going to do it again. And can we afford not to dream big? Because yes. regardless of the circumstances, if you don't, if you pull back and say now's not a good time, then if not now when yeah when, when? is going to like be a it's good gonna, time when like like as if when shows up on your porch and mm -hmm. is like it's all aligned for you now everything's perfect this is the perfect time to set out for your dreams like it just doesn't come mm -hmm. do you know what i mean yeah. like it's not a package that you get sent to you it's like you just make that one little stake in the ground and just move forward but it's like when when is a good time so take it from michelle the advocate for dreaming big <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like if i had a poster you know made yeah. of me it would be like dream big i think that we're going to need to talk about this a lot more because there's a whole bunch of more stuff that i that i think we I know can cover but yeah <laughs> for now for today let's go dream big my key takeaway from today's conversation is that one of the ways our mindset is so important to our success is in how it enables us to find opportunities in any circumstance, which seems so critical to our resilience as artists, to our ability to keep going and keep creating. And it makes sense that Michelle sees this as the game changer for artists. So I will definitely, as Michelle recommended, be checking my inputs and also working on my awareness of those linked chains of thought that I'm building in my imagination, whether towards the negative or the positive. And this kind of mindset improvement is something that we work on and support each other with in our Origin Art program. 
And in fact, we just had a workshop last week where Michelle was sharing practical tools for dreaming bigger for our art and ourselves. So if you're interested in this kind of growth as an artist, you can sign up for the Origin Art waitlist through the link in the show notes. We're going to be opening for new members in the coming weeks, and that invitation is only going to those on our list. As always, we'd love to hear more about your experience, so do come chat with us on Instagram at unearthingart. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Mm